Welcome back to another episode of Doable Discipleship, and this is a very special episode indeed. But first, let me tell you, this is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, or as we sometimes like to call it, the show that helps you grow. <laughs> and that's not Jason, if you notice that, listener. Even though Jason does have a bit of a, oh, t- tenery voice. What, what's the what's the term? What kind of voice do you have, Linda Tokar, who's joining me today? An alto voice. Is that? I don't know the difference. I don't know. Jason would correct me up one side and down the other if he was here right now. Linda, you have not been on the show since our Bible City Crash Course That's right. series. Is that right? That's right. Listeners will remember that if they've been with us for a while. If not, you need to go back, listen to that series because it was really good. Uh, Linda is a longtime teacher and a longtime runner of all sorts of programs here at Saddleback, generally all designed around spiritual growth. She's right. a, she's an important part of our spiritual growth team here at Saddleback. She's in our meetings every week. She is in our team. Um, she is making the wheels turn on spiritual growth here at Saddleback, even though she wouldn't say that. Linda, how yes. does it feel to be back on the show? Super exciting. Really honored to be here today. Good. All right. Well, we're going to have a fun conversation with Jim and Alan Fadling today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim and Alan are founders of an organization called Unhurried Living. And they're based uh, just right here in Mission Viejo, California. And they're all about inspiring people to rest deeper and live fuller and live better. Uh, Great, great couple we're going to talk to today. So Jem is a trade spiritual director, and she's a retreat speaker and podcaster, and she enjoys serving as a guide with the intention of helping people encounter God in their very real lives. Yeah, Alan speaks and consults internationally with numerous organizations, including here at Saddleback. He's an award-winning author and a certified spiritual director, and uh, together they form just a, a total spiritual power couple. And we're excited to talk with them today. They also wrote a book, which we're going to be speaking about quite a bit today, so I won't get too much into that and spoil it. Uh, But they've got a book called What Does Your Soul Love? Eight Questions That Reveal God's Work in You. Uh, Linda has read it. I listened to it on Audible and absolutely loved it. So we're excited to to just chat through this book and hopefully pull out some principles that will be helpful to you. Linda, I'm excited to jump into this. Me too. Let's hear that theme song and we'll be right back. Alan, Jim, thanks so much for being here today. Good to be with you. Yeah, it's wonderful. Thanks for making the long drive over from Mission Viejo. <laughs> I think it took eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> well, I, I want to just jump right in and start start talking about the book, start talking about you guys. But I, I just want to hear a little bit about yourselves right off the bat. So just give us a little bit of biography and, and, and why did you write What Is Your Soul Love? Can you explain a little bit of that? Yeah, so with the biography, I guess we could just start with us. Um, we've been married for 34 years. And being, well, thank you. We made it yeah. <laughs> this <Woo>. far. <laughs> we decided to just keep going. Good. So, um, and all of those 34 years, we've lived here in Southern California. So mm-hmm. we're definitely Californians. Um, I was raised in Washington State, but made my way down to Sacramento when I was 16 to meet this man right here. Um, we got married very young, not at 16. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we have three sons. Are, they're all in their 20s, and they're just wonderful men. Awesome. Yeah, we um, and in terms of kind of who we are on the ministry side of things, uh, for the last few years we've had a nonprofit that we started called Unhurried Living, which is based on a couple of books that I wrote a little while back for InterVarsity Press, An Unhurried Life and An Unhurried Leader. 
And so a lot of what we do is we come alongside leaders to help them rediscover, we would say rediscover the genius of Jesus' unhurried way of living Mm -hmm. and leading. And we really think maybe that's one of the most beautiful facets of the gospel that our hurried North American culture, let alone a hurried worldwide culture, really needs to hear. Yeah. Gosh, that feels like a a perfectly timed and and perfectly... Uh, useful thing for each of us living in this culture. Tell us what the what the catalyst was. What what made you what made you guys write this book? Well, I think we have always been about the message of change. That we think that's a part of the message of the gospel. That Jesus comes and the first thing he says is repent, which some people have turned into a bad news word. Right. But it's an incredibly good news word. You can change. Yeah. Right. You can change. Isn't that great news? Yeah. <laughs> And you could change in the direction of the master of life, you yeah. know, Jesus. And so we wanted to write a book that would make that invitation to change feel as inviting as it is. Mm. And so that was the genesis of the project. And, and then the stories were about how we had experienced change and mm. some of the questions that we found ourselves leaning into on that journey of change. Yeah. Yeah, there's a verse that I've been carrying around with me. Um, he who began a good work in you will mm, carry it on mm-hmm. to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Most of us probably listening to this have memorized that. Um, but how would you cooperate with that process? Mm. Right. God, of course, is initiating. He's starting and finishing it. But there is something we do in the meantime to cooperate and to respond to the invitations. Mm. And we wanted to just... Um, write about ways that we've done that over the course of our lives. How did we cooperate? And these questions emerged as uh, paths that you could walk down on that path of transformation. Mm -hmm. Well, that is perfectly harmonious with this podcast. I mean, we've called this doable discipleship because the whole idea is that God is trying to accomplish something and you can cooperate. And that's a term that we love to use. Um, So I I think we're really in sync here. Well, good. So the book focuses on eight questions and then culminates with the question, what does your soul love? And one of the things we were curious about is, is there a reason for ordering the questions in the way that you did? And if so, what made you arrange the book the way that you did? And, and if I could just tack on to that, what made you choose questions as your approach to begin with? Yeah. So I'll let Jim answer your yeah. second okay. question. <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll take the first one. <laughs> okay. We're going to keep layering them. Yeah, no. <laughs> Let me ask three more before you start, actually. That's always good. Uh, that'll, that'll fully confuse me. Uh, no, but um, there was a certain logic. I mean, we sort of wrote them in a different order in the first um, draft, mm-hmm. but we really felt like, for example, starting with desire. You have to decide, and Jesus wants us to, invites us to decide, what do you actually want? Would you like to follow me? And some people he invited to follow decided they didn't want that. Mm -hmm. So you have to decide, you know, it's one thing to decide you want to be a person who goes to church. That's a good thing to decide to do. Mm. But Jesus says, follow me. Do you want that? Mm -hmm. And what we like to say is there's no better invitation going. Mm. But you have to decide if that's what you want. Because if you want that, it's going to involve reordering things that you do and decisions that you make and directions that you take. So we think that starting with the question of desire is important. We also think it's important because sometimes in certain neighborhoods of the Christian church, desire has been painted as nothing but bad. Mm. Like it's Mm -hmm. just a bad thing, the heart is desperately wicked, and that's the end of that. You can't possibly want anything good. No, (laughs) no. So just ignore all that. And and the cost of that has been 
what we've ignored has had a way of souring. Mm -hmm. And so the very thing we were afraid of as it related to desire is growing. Whereas if you remember, no, desires are just something God made like everything else about us. God's idea, not an enemy's idea. But it gets bent, it gets twisted, it gets sure. misdirected. So starting with desire gives us the opportunity to say, okay, what do I actually want? Mm. And what we've decided we want is we want to follow Jesus. Mm. We want to be disciples. We want to be apprentices. We think he's a genius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we think he's an absolute master yeah. of living. Yeah. And that's what we want. Yeah. So that's why we started there. A lot of the central chapters, the middle chapters, let's say, uh, kind of address some of the barriers that get in the way for us. Okay. And we decided to close with the chapter on joy, because sometimes discipleship gets mired in the I need to, I have to, I ought to, I should, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that never energizes us. It it runs out of gas really fast. Maybe in your 20s and 30s, you can keep putting (laughs) juice into it. I'm in my 50s. I don't have as much of that juice anymore. (laughs) But joy... Joy will energize you. Yeah. Joy, the joy of the Lord really does strengthen us mm. for this life of discipleship and for the long haul. Yeah. Well, I, I felt very much carried along as I went through the book. And starting with that question uh, about desire, for me, was really disarming. I was like, oh, well, what do I want? It, it felt like I can just kind of enter into this in a, in a, um, uh, in an anticipatory way. Like I can anticipate something that's going to come, which mm-hmm. I, I thought was a lot of fun. Yeah. Jim, you were going to answer my my appendix question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, how did you come up with these? So actually, these questions were answers to a prayer that I prayed many years ago. I was in a place, you know how sometimes you're going along and it's hard and rough, and uh, but you once in a while you'll get up on what feels more like a plateau and you feel like you've had some growth mm-hmm. and a, you're in a moment of perspective and you kind of feel good about where you are. Mm-hmm. I was in one of those places and I just asked God, how did I get here? Uh, but I was I was asking it not so specific to just the recent season I had been in, but more cosmically, because I was in my 40s, mm. so I was asking those kind of questions. <laughs> <laughs> but how did I get here? I, mm. I like who I am right now. I can see that I've been growing. What went on? And so I just carried that question actually with me for months. And over mm. the course of months, these these ideas that we turn them into questions um, came up. It was fear, resistance, control, mm. you know, uh, vulnerability. When I leaned into these things, pain, mm. I would grow. Mm. And so God was just showing me. And I think these are common to most of us, haven't we? All have fear issues and control issues. Sure. And we've all suffered. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us have a hard time being vulnerable. So I don't think God was showing me anything new. I think he was just answering me with things that are common to all of us. But it was just because I stopped to ask that it became clear to me. Mm-hmm. And so those became the the chapter headings, and then we just dove into each one. Mm. So it sounded like gaining that perspective was actually a result of living an unhurried life, right? Calming down and moving slowly enough and ha- taking some contemplative time. Definitely. Yeah. When we were in our 20s, actually, we were both introduced to uh, silence and solitude. Mm. So I was 26 and 29, and we met these four gentlemen who all in different ways mentored us. And we learned how to listen to God in prayer and not just talk. Mm. And I think because I had been practicing that over the course of time, 
that it opened up those spaces inside of me. Like you said, there was there's a pace inside of you that changes because of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to ask that question and then just hear answers over the course of time. Mm. Now you talk about so we start off with that question, you know, what do I what do I want? And then you move through the the kind of the processing questions of what is that going to look like going forward and what are the additional questions. Yeah. One thing that you touched on and you drove home that really stuck out to me was that there's a difference between relief and healing. Mm. Sometimes we want relief. We think we want healing, but we don't understand that there's a difference. Can you explain the difference between those two things and how those process differently? Yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind when we think about relief and healing is that relief usually comes quicker, right? Mm. That sense, Mm. so let's say you're working Mm -hmm. on something, even maybe you're in counseling or maybe you're in spiritual direction or maybe you're just processing with a friend and you do a little bit of work and you have this initial lifting of maybe some of the angst or the anxiety or the pressure of whatever this is. And I would call that relief Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. a lot of times people will maybe stop then or think they're done or they won't keep digging because, oh, I'm better. Right. To me, relief is just the first blush. And so our invitation is to healing. And we think that's the invitation of Jesus as well. How deep into this and how far down the path are you willing to go to be completely healed? Mm. Now, that's a different animal, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Because now we're talking about all the things we talked about in the book. Can you mm-hmm. overcome your fear of that? Can you become vulnerable enough to do that? Can you engage the truth and find out what's really going on? Healing is a much longer and more in-depth process than just feeling the relief of the initial work. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think uh, a great illustration of that, just in terms of our physical experience, is some people, some of us have been in physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the goal of spiritual therapy? It's, it's wholeness. It's, right. it's healing. But the path sometimes is painful. Whereas yeah. mm-hmm. taking you know, uh, a painkiller, well, hooray, one day later, a few hours later, yeah. I'm relieved. Mm-hmm. Well, hooray for that, it's better than the pain. But is that all you want? Yeah. Or might you actually want to be whole? Yeah. And mm-hmm. healing often takes us on a path through places that we wouldn't choose except for the vision of healing that lies on the other side of mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. So to us, that's why if, if you settle for just relief, you might have to settle for relief again. Yeah. And yes. again, uh-huh. and exactly. again, whereas healing is what makes us whole so that what we needed relief from might actually be resolved somehow. Yeah. Mm. Well, it goes back to what you mentioned earlier about change. Am I, am I willing to accept a process of change or do I want to just make the feeling go away? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two different things. I, mm-hmm. I, I remember a time our family rides dirt bikes out in the desert and stuff like that. We have a, we have a whole redneck side to our family. <laughs> and a buddy of mine went down and he, and he just... He just ate it hard in the dirt, and he had this terrible gash on his arm filled with, like, dirt and pebbles and sand and stuff. Oh. And I remember we, we rushed him to the ER and the whole thing, and he was, he was pretty banged up. And I remember what he said was, man, he's like, the worst part of the whole thing was the, the cleaning, oh, right? Yeah. And, it, and, and this whole moment of he's like, man, I wish I hadn't had to go through that part. The fall was easy. It was the cleanup that was the hard part. Yeah. But if he hadn't gone through that process, he'd still have – pebbles in his arm to this day you know there's a there's a yeah he could just you know you know take a painkiller go home you know bandage it up and pretend it's not there but that's not going to get him where he wants to be long term Mm -hmm. i love what you said about the whole you'll need relief again um, Mm -hmm. because that was something i was thinking about like you're going to wind up in a cycle of seeking relief and never actually finding healing 
which is a cycle nobody wants to be in. Yeah. yeah, the world offers lots of options for relief, but Jesus is the only one that offers healing. So mm-hmm. exactly right. To push through for that. <clears throat> so as we know, with any type of transformation, it's ongoing. I mean, even once you've achieved it, you, there's still more to go. And so I'm sure you're both kind of still in this process, even mm. as you've worked through it. Where would you say of the eight questions you wrestled the most, like for you, what's in your journey? So for most of my life, I think I would have answered fear. Mm. And not to say that, I mean, can anyone say that all of these are completely handled now? No. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> but, the, but the one that's at the surface for me right now in my life, mm. fear um, has, uh, I've been working on that one for a long time. The one that's been coming up more recently, especially actually since we started Unhurried Living, mm. is the issue of control. I'm actually quite controlling. (laughs) I want things to happen the way I want them and the time I want them. Mm. And I want results that I want. I mean, I'm no different than anyone else. And and I've realized when, because we've been doing this kind of work that we're doing for many years, almost 30 years, but Unhurried Living is only four years old. It's kind Mm. of the culmination of our life's work, all of Mm. who we are and what we do. We're funneling through this ministry. But because we started it together, you know, quote unquote, from nothing, and we're building it together. A lot of my control issues have been coming up. <laughs> well, you're partly you in charge say. of it, right? Well, there, and so you co- have a certain amount of control. Exactly, yeah. we do. We're co-leading it. We're coming up with the, all the all the ideas, and we are actuating them. You know, in, yeah. in our way. And you, so you can imagine, yeah, that I've had to learn just ever more deeply every single year. Um, to just open my hands and continue to release outcomes, mm. um, the anxiety that is stirred up mm. when you're trying to control mm-hmm. things, yeah. that has come and gone, and, and God has taken me on an ever deeper journey into uh, trust, yeah. mm-hmm. faith, lived out. Yeah, fear and control love to live together, they don't they? Do. They, <laughs> they live together really in me. I'm yeah. listening to her. I'm like, she's yeah, my totally. soul sister. I was like, I got to make sure these microphones are right today because I read the story in the book. There was a little bit of uh, having to have the microphones just so in a podcast. <laughs> yeah, story. Oh, yeah. I was like, uh-oh, Jim's going to let me hear it if we don't get this right. <laughs> that, was, that was two years ago, and it was. But, I mean, I was a self... Um, I really shared a part of what our inner life, what was yeah. going on. But, you know, mm-hmm. that right. was a funny story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. Fear and control. I, I use control to try to manage the fear. Like, yeah. I, I want to take, take as many unknowns off the table as I possibly yeah. can yeah. so that I can live at peace. Yeah. But again, that's kind of a way to get relief and not a way to get healing. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, like, stack the deck in my favor, make sure everything's perfect, yeah. right? And then somehow it always ends up <laughs> going totally. sideways. Yes. So I think for me, uh, there's a number of them I find challenging. I kept finding myself saying, gosh, I'm writing this chapter about X and I'm struggling with X yeah. you know, as I, as I draft each chapter. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the, it's almost like two, and it's what you just said. It's the fear and control dynamic. I, mm-hmm. I grew up anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's reasons for that. And um, like you, I've tried to use control as a way of managing fear. I would have especially talked about anxiety, which mm-hmm. is a close cousin. Yeah. And um, lately what I've been coming to trust is something Dallas Willard would sometimes say. He'd, he'd say, you know, anything you could do in anxiety, you could do a lot better in peace. Mm. And when I first heard him say that, I, I kind of thought, 
I don't know if I buy that. Mm. I should buy that, but I don't know if I do because <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid if I let go of this anxiety, I'm not going to perform like I'm used to performing. Yeah. I don't know if it, I, if I lose that engine, what's going to drive me? Mm. Right. And what I've discovered is it turns out peace actually is better fuel and a better engine mm. and a better motivator yeah. and it burns cleaner. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I'm, I'm far more creative so, but that is the continual wrestling place for me mm. is that fear control cluster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have to keep leaning into it. And and I think that's a pretty human thing. I think the fear one's a big reason we do a lot of the things we do, which is why rather than letting fear just sort of be this whispering voice in the curtain, you know, in the back of our heads, we can bring it out into the light. We can ask the question. We can do that in the presence of Jesus. And it mm. turns out he knows exactly how to apprentice us to a place of peace and to a place of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, guys. All right. You're a husband and wife, and you're, you've kind of given us a glimpse behind the curtain now as you've, as, you've, uh, as you've built Unhurried Living, and you've kind of intensified your ministry together. Can you talk a little bit about how the two of you encourage each other on this, on this journey of transformation that you've been on now for 34 years? Yeah, well, first of all, we talk a lot. <laughs> Which, That's true. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the, it's the cliche marriage advice communication, right? Yeah. So, but we do, we've just learned over the course of time and we're learning to trust that we actually cannot read each other's minds. Mm. What? Yeah. what? Even after all this time. What? <laughs> Shockingly. I'm yeah. still 34 years in and I still cannot read his mind, so I have to ask. So mm. we talk things out. But the other thing we do that's equally as important is we listen yeah. yeah, and we've been learning over the course of time as well to listen, not to fix, but to mm. understand. Mm. So that kind of communication helps us a lot. And when you're listening, the other person feels heard, mm-hmm. and just you're just with each other on this journey that we're talking about. Mm. Yeah, and I think maybe another way to say it is the kind of communication and the, and the kind of listening that we're learning to do is really rooted in questions like these. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to have a chat about, so how was your day and how was your day? Fine, good, okay. We actually we know how each other's day is because yeah. we were... <laughs> As yeah, opposed I was to, there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> today, I'm feeling really anxious. Yeah. I'm not even quite sure why. Mm-hmm. And then to have that conversation. Yeah. Or to have the conversation of, you know, you said that and here's what I heard. And I was kind of hurt when I heard that. Mm. And then to unpack and realize, well, that's not what she meant, even if that's what I heard. Mm. So to have conversations, to have communication that digs down into these sorts of questions, Mm. that's what helps us come to trust each other more, come to uh, appreciate the uniqueness of of each of us. And, you know, the unique unique place we find ourselves, having been in ministry together our whole marriage. I mean, Mm. I was a, a junior high pastor, my, our wow. first year of marriage, mm. you know, and <laughs> we've been doing this together, but this is the first time it's fully collaborative. Yeah. Like it's two really voices exciting. with equal strength and it's exciting. It's great. And it creates tension. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's two you people don't <laughs> who don't always have the same opinion, yeah. who have equal power in this organization. Yeah. Mm. I don't get a trump card, you know, <laughs> we yeah. get to work things out. But what it's done is it's pressed us in some new ways sure. in terms of our, sure. our marriage relationship. If you don't mind a follow-up, what are some things that you're able to do now in collaborating that you don't think you would have been able to do 20 years ago as a couple? Mm. 
I was going to say almost everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We couldn't have written a book together. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we could have written a book together like this five years ago. Mm. That's probably true. Would that be an accurate guess? Yeah. There's there's something about the timeliness of of this happening. I think I said already we're in our 50s, or maybe you said it. Mm. There's something about being in your 50s and coming. We've had the first half of life. We've made it through midlife. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) And we're just in this beautiful next season where, as I alluded to before, there's it's the culmination. Mm. It's all of who God has made us to be coming together in this one place. And so almost everything we're offering is new Mm. in a new way is what I would say. Like I said, we've been saying these things in various forms for years but we're offering it in what feels to me like a really refreshed way for this season. Mm. That's so sweet. Uh, you can tell me how to get through midlife a little bit later. Okay. That's on the horizon for <laughs> I me. I always but. love talking about that. <laughs> uh, you, you, Alan, you touched on, on question asking, and that just reminded me, uh, we've talked already about the genius of Jesus, and question asking was such a, such a signature element of his teaching mm. approach, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he just... Most of the time when somebody came to him with a question, he just jujitsued that right into another question. You know? It's like, well, who do you say I am? You know? Right. Just always flipping. And there's such a there's such a drawing power of a question, right? I mean, there a really question is. that's asked with 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 love. I mean, obviously you can ask questions with barbs right. on them just like anything else. Um but wow, the power of a question to draw out what's going in. I mean, just in the subtitle of your book, these are questions that reveal, they draw something out and show things for what they really are. So yeah, uh, that's something in, in our marriage we're learning to do as well. Ask good questions and really listen to the answer yeah. as well. Yeah, the listening part. Yeah, we've yeah. been married 27 years and mm. this is the first year, you know, our daughter is... She's still living at home, but she's busy with her oh, yeah. masters and things like that. And our son's up at Cal Poly. And so um, we are having more time together yeah. <laughs> to have conversations. And it's gone beyond observe and report to, mm. <laughs> so, you know, yes. for a lot of years, it felt like, what'd you do? What'd you, okay, good, good. Everybody's okay, good. Move forward. And yeah. now it's like, right. you sit there and you get past that. And it's like, okay, how do you feel? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Do you really want to know this? Um, so, take anyway, it away. Take it away. Okay. So, one of the things that caught my attention as I was reading, um, just thinking about doing these in groups, was you wrote a kingdom transformation approach brings the ugly out into the open, hmm. where it can be forgiven, cleansed, healed, and transformed. And I was thinking about in the context of a group, yeah. you're going through this together. Sometimes the ugly is really ugly. Hmm. Um, and what should you do if you're either going through, you know, by yourself or if you're in a group context and it brings up really, really hard, hard things. I mean, things that maybe yeah. a group can't handle and you don't know what to do with. Yeah. It's a, it's a perfectly fair question because in our experience, when you go down this route in the way you do ministry, stuff comes into the light. Yeah. Now, the first thing that I want to say to a group is that's not bad news. Yeah. Okay. It's hard. But it's not bad news. It's good news when ugly stuff comes into the light of Jesus, because it turns out he's quite a good healer. Mm-hmm. He's very faithful to forgive. Um, the thing that I think a group can do is not get threatened by the ugly that surfaced. Mm, that's good. And and be willing to start where Jesus does. He is full of grace. He's full of truth, yes, but he's full of grace. That God is the kind of God who uh, delights to be merciful. He's the kind of God who longs to be gracious. 
This is the one we're invited to follow. Now, some of those ugly things may be way past our pay grade mm -hmm. in a small group. We yeah. don't we don't know how to help. We we can love, we can care, but we don't know to how to to help guide our friend on some next step, which is exactly why we have needed in our own lives, we've needed counselors mm -hmm. who had skills and perspectives that we didn't have. I mean, I'm not a counselor. I, I happen to serve leaders as a spiritual director, but I can't do that for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I suck yeah. as a spiritual director <laughs> for myself. Yeah. Right? I keep trying to do it. I've tried pastoring myself. Yeah, I can't pastor myself either. That doesn't turn out so good either. <laughs> yeah. So I need people that I can go to that are trustworthy, that mm, are gracious, mm -hmm. that can help me make next steps. So there have been mentor type of people that I've been able to talk quite frankly with. Mm. And say, look, this is what I'm realizing in my life. This is what I'm remembering, or this is what I'm struggling with now, mm -hmm. or this is where my emotions are just getting me stuck, or whatever it was. So I think sometimes, well, our hope is that a book like this might surface something that, yes, might take us a next step to okay. someone who can help us, who has a little more skill mm -hmm. and a little more experience, maybe a little more wisdom. And not to be afraid of that. Yeah. Because that's part of the transforming journey. Jesus loves to use people with all kinds of gifts, and mm -hmm. they're the gifts that he's given uh, to help us make this uh, this journey. Yeah. I think, too, in a small group, um, one thing we don't have a lot of in this world is empathy. Oh, mm. you just took the word right out of my mouth. Oh, yeah. man. So, yeah. And sometimes it's, it's just best if we, like Alan said, if it's past your pay grade, I suggest don't speak. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I suggest listen. And empathize because mm -hmm. whether or not mm -hmm. you've been through it or you have a solution, people just need to know that there someone is standing with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think in a group dynamic like that, empathy, compassion, mm -hmm. a listening, mm -hmm. non-judging yeah. ear, mm -hmm. a non-fixing ear. It's kind of what we talked about in our marriage. You better believe after 34 years, I still want to fix Alan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, I think if I just <laughs> if I said it just like this, yes. no, I mean I still try. I'm not going to lie, uh, and we laugh about it now. But a listening, compassionate, non-judgmental, non-fixing ear. And the other thing mm. I think I would say to the people and to the person, especially maybe something came came up, and you're just you're surprised too. Mm -hmm. You're having a conversation. Stay open mm. and go slow. Yeah. There's no rush here. This thing came up and it feels like the world's going to end. I think what Alan said is key. Jesus is a brilliant healer. Mm -hmm. You've got time. And change and transformation takes time. So yeah. that whole unhurried way inside really kicks in here too. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, absolutely. All right. I, I want to know a little bit about how how the process of writing this book. You've touched on some of the some of these journey elements, but I want to hear about how this book changed you as you wrote it. Oh my. Well, what's interesting is I feel like it's more after I wrote it. Hmm. Because one of the one of our values is that we will live what we teach. Because yeah. nobody needs someone sitting around up high somewhere telling you how it works. Right. So we're basically sharing what we've learned in mm. the School of Hard Knocks, mm. okay? Um, 
So I feel like now that it's actually in print and it's in a book, I've had multiple, multiple opportunities to live what I said. Yeah. <laughs> now you're accountable to it. It's concrete. Alan oh. can literally just flip to the page and say, Remember oh, what Jeff. you said there on page 85? Hey, let me quote it for you. I know. Actually, I've done that to him before. Oh. He's already done it to me. Not, oh, a, not from this book. Not from One this of my book, other books, Unhurried yeah. Life. I'm like, you know, you, you wrote about that. Oh. That's, um, that's what you get for writing sooner, Alan. You just added to her arsenal. <laughs> oh, man. But let me, let me give you an example of the real life of this. Okay, so in the spring, it was our 31st anniversary, and we mm-hmm. had the opportunity to go to Florence, Italy, which was wow. Wow. Beaut- yeah. <laughs> beautiful and amazing. But earlier in the year, probably around February, something happened, a conversation happened in regards to our work that sort of triggered something inside of me and my anxiety just shot up higher mm-hmm. almost I think than it's ever been it felt uncontrollable by me mm-hmm. so I had a couple of appointments with my therapist to to get some tools and I was reading a book at the time that was really helpful and of course my spiritual practices I had and my people I had all of that going and I was re- and was receiving some healing from that mm-hmm. but when we went to this vacation I actually brought a prayer with me I said, Lord, I cannot, I can't keep working in the way that leads me to that kind of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's a cyclical thing for me too. Mm. But this one was a real big spike of anxiety. So I walked into my vacation with that. And we were in the Duomo in Florence. Mm-hmm. We climbed to the top and we came all the way back down. It's a beautiful view up there. We went, came down and we sat in the cathedral in one of these little offshoot little sanctuary things. And in front of me was this big, huge painting of the Last Supper. Mm. It was just Jesus and the disciples. And in front of that was a display of the body and blood, right? The, mm. the, the bread and the mm-hmm. wine. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there quietly, and I'm just looking at this scene. And I heard, of course, the thing that we hear every Sunday in church, at our church. This is my body given for you. Mm. And then a, a couple more phrases. Stop pushing stop trying wow. and stop angsting, which is exactly what I had been doing. <laughs> yeah. Pushing, trying, and angsting. I told you before, I have some control issues. <laughs> but it was just a beautiful, real-life situation in which what we wrote about, mm-hmm. I mean, the book had been written. It wasn't out yet, but it had been written. Yeah. And my, I had a chance for my fear and control to get spiked, and God met me in a new way, mm-hmm. very personally, in Italy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could be worse places to Could deal be with worse your issues. Places. <laughs> yes. But we are on a constant journey here. Yeah. Constant journey. I think for me, um, one of the one of the other places that I, I, I continually wrestle with is the question of resistance. You know, what's mm. getting in your way? And mm. the temptation, I think, for a lot of us to think that the main thing that's getting in my way is someone or something out there. Right. Yeah. You know, if they would change, I'd be okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, if that situation would change, I'd be all better. And most of my challenges actually come from inside of me. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's my little no's that bump up against the big yes Jesus is inviting me to say, which mm-hmm. is a good yes. Mm-hmm. It's a substantial yes. It's a, it's a good news yes. But I sort of, some version of I don't feel like it <laughs> uh, sort of gets in the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I used an image in that chapter 
I said, sometimes my resistance feels like a brick wall. Like mm-hmm. I just can't get through it. Mm-hmm. My resistance is so thick and so hard and so tall and so wide. I'll just never get through this. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm stuck. But the image I used was what I've discovered is when I lean into my resistance, and this is something I have to keep doing, this little no, this little I don't feel like it that gets in my way. When I lean on it, what I discover is that it is tissue paper right, painted to look like a brick wall. I think a lot of our resistances, the things we think are just insurmountable, mm-hmm. if we would just lean on them, mm-hmm. we would find that they are actually the doorway into the next thing Jesus has been wanting to invite us into, mm. wow. some new expression of his abundant life that he came to give us. Mm. That my resistance, what I think is a barrier preventing me, is actually just a tissue paper mm. barrier that I can push through and and move through and discover that on the other side, he's been waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's excited to be able to show me. So, you know, they say that authors often write the books they need yeah. This would be this would be one of those. Uh, we need, we still need what's in there. Yeah. Yeah. C.S. Lewis said I said something uh, similar to the effect, uh, similar to what you just said about that barrier sometimes appear, appearing much stronger than it is. Talking about temptation as well. Yeah. Now sometimes the temptations that we face, we we actually grant them more strength than they yeah. actually have. Mm. We we think they're stronger than they are, and he said something to the effect of, you know, maybe. Maybe it just appears strong because you've never actually applied yourself to moving it. Uh, and what a what a what a eye-opening thing that can be. And and I love what you add to that, that idea that God is waiting for you on the other side yeah. and that, that can be one of those miniature summits along the journey. Yeah. Linda, go ahead. Yep. So just as we think about the person that's going to pick up this book and read it and is so excited about the possibility of transformation, but we know it takes time. It can take a lot of time. I mean, just reading it from cover to cover doesn't mean you're changed at the end. Yeah. (laughs) Boy, do I wish that was the case. I know I was reading it and I was like, man, I wish I could just nail these one by one. I'd be done in like three days. I was like, I need like six months with each of these questions just for my intro. (laughs) (laughs) And so what would you say to someone who really is seeking to follow in the way of Jesus, but's feeling discouraged because it just, it's slow. What would you say to them? Well, think back to what I said earlier when I answered the question about how did this come about. I was in my 40s, and I was looking back. Yeah. How did I get where I was? And so let's acknowledge how long how long that was. I was in my 40s, and I was, and these were things that all along the way I had leaned into. Yeah. And so let's be fair. It does take time. Yeah. And this is so countercultural. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. especially here in Orange County, the pace and the expectations and the mm-hmm. pushing. I mean, that's that pushing, trying, angsting. That's I live in Orange County. Mm-hmm. We're we're all kind of on that uh, wavelength. And we have these devices and oh yeah, mm-hmm. geez. Yes. Mm-hmm. So one of the the phrases we say in the book actually is we move at the pace of grace. Yeah. And we I love change that. at the pace of transformation. Now that's those are neither one of those are the pace of the culture. Right. Yeah. So if you're doing this, you are being countercultural and it's a different way of moving. Mm. And for I bet you now it's been about thirty years. There's a line when Jesus is talking to his inner circle in the upper room mm-hmm. in John fifteen. He says to them, Now remember, you didn't choose me. I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit. And then he qualifies the kind that he means. He says, fruit that will last. Mm. And a lot of times the kinds of changes we 
that happen fast also go away fast. Sure. They don't have any roots. It's more of an appearance change. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why I think Jesus uses so many organic illustrations. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't live in an organic culture. We've got devices and we drive cars and there's so much mechanical, technological sort of metaphors in the way we think. Well, all of those things happen fast. Mm. Right. You, know, you reprogram your, you know, computer or whatever, that can be done very quickly. What if you want to grow an oak tree? Yeah. <laughs> well, if you do the math 20 years later, you might have a little bit of shade. Yeah. <laughs> if you so, curl your legs up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you get right up against the trunk, <laughs> yeah. maybe. So, the thing we want to say is, look, Jesus said he 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 appointed us to bear fruit that would last. And the kind of fruit that lasts is the kind of fruit that comes from deep roots. Mm. And roots Take time. time. Yeah. If you look at a at a tree, you've got a trunk and branches and you know leaves and fruit and hooray, that's the part you can see. Yeah. But there's a whole chunk of the tree you can't see. Yeah. Almost as much in volume. Right. Almost a mirror image. Yeah. And sometimes we're so focused on, you know, how's the tree look? Is the tree looking good? Do I need to hang some decorations? Yeah. And Jesus is is again, he's a genius. He comes instead of the approach of the Jewish leaders who want to talk about behaving a certain way or believing certain things, Jesus goes straight to the center and says, let's talk about the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about the heart. Let's talk about the roots. Make the tree good. Mm-hmm. That's genius advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make the tree good. Don't just argue with the tree to make it produce more <laughs> apples. <laughs> yeah. Make the tree good. Sink your roots deep. Be patient. Um, the thing that we would say here in our 50s, having been on this journey for 30 years, is this is, I'm having the most fun. Mm. in my life with Jesus and in my work with Jesus than I've ever had, mm. ever. And I had some great, I've had some great experiences along the way, but I'm just tasting some of the fruit of admittedly some of the painful, fearful, mm-hmm. you know, kinds of places we've had to lean into and walk through along the way. It's worth the yeah. journey. Yeah. yeah, It really is. It's good fruit. It really is. Mm. Our pastor, Pastor Rick, sometimes says, <clears throat> you know, while you're waiting, God is working. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can feel like a painfully slow process, mm-hmm. you know. And no farmer, you know, just sits at his field watching and waiting. You know, he knows <laughs> that there's a there's a time. Now you can cooperate with that process, like we said at the top of the episode, but it doesn't make it go faster, but it does make it better. Mm-hmm. Gosh, thanks thanks so much for sharing uh, those learnings, guys. Uh, we, we got a couple doables today I want to talk about. Uh, the first one is, Go buy the book, people. We're going to link it in the show notes. Go get it. Um, we'll link it to your website as well. You, if you're listening to this, you need to you need to go through these these questions to help us, you know, start discovering what God's doing in you and help set direction for growth. But can you can you just give us maybe one tangible? Uh, again, we're not trying to rush this because we know that this takes time. But what's a step of discovery that somebody can can take this week to start um, experiencing God in the ways you describe in the book? I think maybe the very simplest thing you could do is, so first of all, we're talking about doable discipleship. So we're talking about what does it mean to follow Jesus in my life as I find it this week Mm. with my challenges, with my hardships, with my opportunities, with my responsibilities, with my relationships, all that stuff. Mm. I think, you know, Jesus comes and says, come to me, follow me. What I would encourage people to do is just pray a prayer. How are you inviting me to follow you now? Mm, that's good. Mm. How? Where? Is there some particular way in which following you 
take shape now in the life that I have. So whether I'm 20-something and or I'm a college student or whether I'm a parent of young kids or whether I'm my kids are older or they're out of the house, mm-hmm. I'm in a unique situation. One of the things we said in the book was, you know, you know what the absolutely ideal situation would be for you to grow as, as a disciple? The absolute perfect situation? It would be your life right now exactly as you find it. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. This would be the place where you could follow Jesus. Yeah. So that'd be the thing I'd say. Just pray that and then keep praying until you have mm. a sense of an answer. And then follow the wonderful counselor's advice. Mm. That's so great. Good. Thanks, Al. Guys, thanks so much for giving us time today. It's good uh, to I know be you guys are busy. Good. You got a lot going on. Uh, I know our listeners are going to really appreciate and enjoy this. And uh, hopefully, we can get you on the show again sometime in the future. That would be great. We'd thank love you it. so much for having us. It's been a lot of fun. And Linda, thank you for guest hosting with me. It was my absolute stead. pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that these two didn't have to suffer the uh, the, the sheer pain of an episode with Jason. <laughs> oh, <Wheeler>. that's <laughs> he'll listen. To Poor this. Jason, solid listening on this oh, thing. You hear Ouch. that, Jason? Someday, <laughs> Jason, uh, we love you. We were ending on a really nice note until I until I got snarky. <laughs> until there, it's all there. We wine folks all right everybody thanks for listening thanks for watching if you're on youtube we'll talk to you again next tuesday if you enjoyed this episode consider giving us a rating or a review on itunes if you do you'll help other people find us in the future you can also listen to these episodes on youtube Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.